Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hello, I'm John Holmes. It's the The One Show Show, and this is part two of this week's The The One Show Show, the podcast that chases the one show around the playground trying to kiss it. As ever, if you haven't listened to part one of this week's episode, go back and listen to it. Otherwise, this will make no sense. Starting as it does from where we left off in part one yesterday. My guests this week, the man and Tatitos regular Mark Haynes and X5 Live legend and broadcasting colossus, Phil Williams. Blofeld takes it, goes, this is the nicest thing. I honestly, I, I'd be too worried to even, yeah, oh. all right, thank you, Henry, shut up. Because we've got to tell you, tomorrow there's a sex robot going to draw Dara O'Brien. Bye. But we, this was at the very end of the show, wasn't it? Yeah. And the clue, Emma had given the production team a clue. I don't know if you guys spotted this. Because when she was speaking to him at the top of the programme, she'd said, uh, he's touring, isn't he, with Graham Swan? Yeah. Right? And she said, do you have a stage manager that keeps you to time? Mm. Because obviously it could be a problem, couldn't it, with your stories? Yes, good point. We are quite good <laughs> at, at not talking over each other. We sort of seem to sort of sense uh, when the other really has got something to say, and we laugh like mad. And um, Swanee has all his prejudices, and I, I polish a few of mine. Do you have to put a time li limit on it? Because I'd imagine... With the two of you, it would just go on and on and on and on, if you're allowed. Out loud, she's saying, we're already over, guys, we're already over, yeah, we're blaming blowers. Yeah, yeah we yeah. know you're a problem, we know you're a problem. <laughs> For some reason, even though we know you're a problem, we've given you 35 <laughs> seconds at a time. <laughs> Crazy. That show is called Dancing Down the Wicket, which is, that's not a great title, but it's Graham Swan, Swanee. Cricket doesn't yeah. have great great nicknames. No. Swanee and uh, Blofeld going around doing their stories. Yeah. The show's called Dancing Down the Wicket. Oh. oh, I know. And we're going to talk, obviously, about Strictly. And we're going to talk about all the silly things that I've been doing since I announced my retirement. Uh, it's a combination of cricket stories and Strictly Come Dancing stories. I thought that seems to me a little bit like you're always going to have half the audience are like, oh, I hope they get onto the next yeah. bit rather than yeah. they're talking I about mean, this the boring cricket denominator really has affairs. split the crowd. Yes. 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 It's the only common denominator. Um, we should talk about, I mentioned the toxic waste earlier. Did mm. you see this film? I think, was this on Monday? Hello. Neighbours. Everybody needs good neighbours. Or failing that, just some neighbours. I mean, we're in the middle of a housing crisis and, and yet look, these houses are lying empty. No one in them. There's no cars, there's no bins, no children playing. I mean, why on earth would anybody not want to live here? Could it be because of this hazardous waste site that's slap bang in the middle of these new builds? I mean, this was a shocking film in many ways. Mm. So they've built a housing estate mm. next to a toxic waste dump. 
And when I say next to, I mean around. I mean, it's the middle of the housing. And it turns out there's a housing crisis. We know there's a housing crisis, but it turns out no one will move into these houses because the council that gave them planning permission to build the houses in the first place have now went, oh, it's a bit too dangerous for well, people to even live even there. Even better than that, if you've worked hard enough to buy one of the private houses, you do live there. Yeah. But the council have said they're not safe, so we're not going to put any council tenants in there. Yeah. So half of them are empty and half of them are people who have bought them and suddenly yeah. realise they're plan. living they're living in essentially toxic Avenger 4. Yeah. We bought this house off plan. And it was about 30k less than the competitors for the, the same house. We asked the saleswoman at the time, and she said that they were trying to improve their brand, so they were selling better quality houses, better fittings at a lower price. They never mentioned anything about any chemical waste. Size. It's horrific. I mean, and they went and did a report. And I thought, good, worthy one show, actually valuable sort of... Because I didn't know about this. Yeah, it was great. And I think that was an, that's a shocking thing to have happened, that you built a housing estate around a toxic a waste. A proper dump. scandal. Yeah, a proper really? scandal. The proper. best thing about yeah. it was the people who owned the toxic dump, the chemical company, they were interviewed. And you'd normally imagine they'd be going, well, there's nothing wrong with this, or, you know, we yeah. comply with the law. They were saying, from day one, we have been telling the council and the developers they mustn't build here. In 2017, the fire service said the only way to eliminate the risks completely would be to move the site at an estimated cost of two million pounds. We can't afford this and why should we? We haven't generated this position. All we've said consistently is don't build here. We are not allowed specifically to you to smoke or use mobile phones on this site. Yeah. Because that is, it's dangerous. Yet over that fence there, yeah. where all the houses yeah. are, people are smoking and using their mobile phones and doing whatever they like. The guy from the chemical factory, he said, he said all we've ever said is, don't build here. Yeah. Right? And then they cut to the guy from the council and they were like, so obviously you made a mistake. Credit to him. He was like, the, the, the chips are down. It is time to double up and just say I've done nothing wrong. So <laughs> he, he just stood there and he just went, no, no, no. It was a very rigorous and thorough planning process, actually. Um, there's an absolutely, you know, we went through everything and the whole thing. And they were like, but the chemical guys have been saying to you the whole time, don't build here. And he was like, it was very rigorous, thank you. Tony McGovern is the head of the local council. I think most people looking at it would say it's hard to miss the hazardous waste site. And yet here we are. It feels like a big mistake. The planning process was a, a very thorough, very rigorous process. Everybody had their say and there was no evidence at all to, um, you know, turn this application down. Did you ask the people who run the hazardous waste site? So the company objected throughout the planning process uh, and they said it was a bad idea, but for a number of different reasons. <laughs> If you're on the one show and they're saying you built it around a chemical dump, you can see the chemical dump and the men who made it's the chemical dump are saying, we keep on telling them and they don't yeah. listen. Don't go but on telly. Says, as soon as he said it was rigorous, because I wrote this down because I was staggered by his response. Mm. This is, let's name him by the way, Tony McGovern, Canuck mm. Chase Council, right? Yeah. He says, yeah, very rigorous planning process as Mark says. Then he says, but from a council point of view, yeah, we would not be happy to put people into many of these dwellings. <laughs> Despite this, it gave the go ahead. But now, says new evidence came to light, there's been a cause for concern. The evidence is showing that in certain types of circumstances, there's increased risk to the residents of dwellings that are particularly on the perimeter of the site. There is no garden backing onto the perimeter of Axel at all. So the issue of barbecue risk um, is not a, actually a risk that we're particularly concerned about. The design of the flats uh, are that you don't have sitting rooms and rooms that are occupied heavily um, during the day or evening, facing on to Axel. And then Matt says off the back of it, we'll keep you updated if anyone moves in soon. They won't, Matt. They won't. Not unless they're filming a Ready Brett commercial. <laughs>
Well, thank you very much indeed, Matt. Now, the Onshore Put residents claims of being misled to Galliford Try, the developers, and they told us that no-one had been misled, that the local authority had carried out safety assessments and that regulators and the local fire service have advised that it's a well-managed site. There we go. We'll keep you updated if anybody moves in soon. I mean, it was staggering. The, 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 it was just sort of saying, yeah, we said it, rigorous and fine. We don't let anyone live there. This now. is one of those funny things what? as well, where you go, you watch it and you go, it's interesting. But this also put the fear of God into me, where I go, oh my God, nobody knows what they're doing. All the people who are voting in, they've got no idea. No one knows. I mean, I, I have a funny thing where I, I tend to, if someone says, I work in the chemical industry, this is my chemical plant, don't dive in it. I'd go, do you know what? I'm probably going to listen to him. This council man's been like, ah, there's leeway there. <laughs> there was almost there, there was a suggestion, wasn't there, in the piece that the reason why the chemical company said, don't build around here, is because they wanted the land. There was almost a suggestion they were doing it for selfish gain rather than, hang on. The clue was provided by a one-show close-up onto one of the signs mm. right next to the front door of someone's dwelling, which says, toxic, explosive atmosphere, highly flammable. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, I just hope Matt Allwright took that back to the studio with him. Yes. <laughs> uh, Annika Rice was on this episode as well, wasn't she? She's strange, isn't she? Annika Rice. Yeah. Lovely Annika, lovely Annie. Mm. Lovely Annie. Annie likes to tell stories about the, the business, doesn't she? Yeah. As a lot of the projects celebrate their 25 years um, anniversary, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. even 30 years, some of them, is that so many of them are still going strong. And thousands and thousands of volunteers all around the world are still working on them. Because yeah. we did 62-ish some overseas, Malawi, Croatia. But then, because I sold the format to other territories yeah. around the world, so they've all done the same thing. It's funny you um, mention And so it's, it's sort of global. She had lots of stories about agents and how much other people get paid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a great it bit where she, she just was... said what Davina McCall gets for oh. a corporate. I had a boyfriend at the time who was a spy, which was a godsend. Because <laughs> I'd say to him at breakfast, listen, darling, could you find out today what Davina McCall gets paid for a speaking at a conference, and you go, why? And I'd go, just, yeah. I need to know, because I needed to have a benchmark for myself. And he'd go, how do I find that out? And I'd go, you're a spy. This is, she just said it. Let's remember how weird this is. Very good. She pretended to be her own fictional agent yeah. for many years, where yeah. she dealt with her career through the prism of a fictional agent who was called... Clemmy? Clemmy Hart. Yeah. Yeah. Final straw was that the agent said, that's it, you're on your own. And I really panicked and I thought, well, no, there's got to be someone out there. And I really thought long and hard. And then I found her. She was just this really feisty person who utterly got the problems I was faced with. And I found yeah. her quite easily in the end because she was me. So Clemmy. I became Clemmy Hart. For ages, and the, the and it started off quite easily. <laughs> so you were doing all sorts of yeah deals. So it started off quite Your easily. Alter ego. Yeah, it started off quite easily because in those days emails were quite formal things, mm. but they got really friendly, and she was very popular. And soon it was hi Clem, why don't you join the BBC Netball team? Or you know, people wanted to meet her for drinks after work. They yeah, couldn't so get, get enough that? of her. How did you get around that problem? She with had to be a tireless campaigner. She worked on all my old um, challenge projects. She was always running the marathon, having to train after work. Did you ever nearly get caught out? 
Yes, many times when I had to occasionally pick up the phone and pretend to be Clemmy in a very, very bad Scottish accent. I mean, it got really complicated. <laughs> and she, she specifically said, I didn't want to do all these rubbish shows they offer you. They offered me, uh, for a lifetime job, curry and rice. Mark, yes, Mark, Mark curry, curry and Annika Rice. And she was like, I mean, Mark's absolutely lovely, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but, it was, but I was never going to do that. But I don't want to spend my life in a studio in Staines or wherever. <laughs> and the final crunch was when my agent at the time said I've got this great gig you know it's your job for life you and Mark Curry from Blue Peter curry and rice and I was going no I don't want to grow old with Mark Curry. I love Mark Curry, I'm sure. Yeah. But I don't I, want to lovely, go... as is Christopher Biggins. Yeah, brilliant. lovely people, but yeah. I don't necessarily want to spend my, you know, entire working life in a studio in Staines or whatever it was with Mark Curry. Burn sure. those bridges. But the joy of, of how television works, it's like you can just see, oh, well, that's not changed, has it? Right, we've got someone called Annika Rice. Oh, yeah, exactly. Who exactly. could we team her yeah. up with? Bad news, bad news, I'm afraid June Mango Chutney <laughs> is pathetic. Pathetic. Shouldn't have started that joke. Annika uh, uh, <laughs> is doing stand-up on Radio 4. Yes. How does that make you feel? Well, you know, they, Joe Brown's off. Joe Brown's off now, so <laughs> they need... She's worked a long time in the industry. I think it's, it's, comedy, it's only yeah. a matter of time before yeah. it's important that they stick people in comedians' jobs on Radio That's 4. That's right. Should have probably told you this off air, but uh, next week she's actually coming to host this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. <laughs> Mark Curry's the guest. Yes. <laughs> she's just got a bloody put up with it. June Mango Chutney's here. Again, she's, she's not very good, but she has a very good name. Curry and Do you know when I was at Five Live and John Ketley was still there doing the weather he said to me once that they'd gone quite a way down the track with television production on a show mm. for him and Michael Fish called A Different Kettle of Fish <laughs> amazing oh god oh god the best thing about that is the word different oh. which is part of the saying means that they wouldn't have to stick to the weather and they could do something else I mean it really is limitless <laughs> oh, I'm a big fan of that you just sort of wanted them to go oh okay so um, so Mark uh, Annika's said no mm. but what we've done Mark Curry is we've got you Mr Chips from Catchphrase Lovely. Who uh, is, uh, hang on, wasn't it a racist sitcom <laughs> called Curry and Chips years ago? Spike Milligan's. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter, Mark. Doesn't matter, Mark. Doesn't matter. We've got um, we've got Mr. Chips and uh, his, his, uh, his Barry Sauce. Yeah. Um, it's, we're going to be making this for Grampian. Um, uh, Annika, Annika, we've got Dave Pudding. Don't do matter. Get, He's called Dave Pudding. Do I get top billing? Yes, Annika. Yes, you do. Wonderful. Mark, stuff. good news. Annika can do half the run. So we're going to call it curry, half chips, half rice. <laughs> this, this TV TV's development easy. is yeah. easy. Just get a punny name and off you go. Oh, God. I'm Mark Haynes, and for the last 32 years, I've been a fan of professional wrestling. My friend Pete Donaldson from the Football Ramble, he hasn't. But in our podcast, Wrestle Me, the two of us subject the greatest spectacle in sports entertainment, WrestleMania, to the kind of rigorous scrutiny that ruins it entirely. GQ called WrestleMe enrapturing. Shortlist said it's beautiful. And it's a hit with common people too, with well over 400 five-star reviews on iTunes. WrestleMe, available from all good podcast providers. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. There was a little film in here which I did like, which was a woman off Bargain Hunt or one of those weird ones in the morning where it's, it's sort of a bit tawdry. Um, but she was doing a, a thing about riots in Luton. The king had called for a day of festivities, but not every town was in the mood to party. Here in Luton, the mayor had planned a parade followed by a sumptuous banquet in the town hall. But by the end of Peace Day, Luton would witness the biggest riots in its history. And they were about people coming back from the First World War and the mayor holding some kind of big celebration. And he decided that the old soldiers had to pay to get in, but his mates could come in free. And there was massive civil unrest. Soon after, all hell broke loose. Windows were smashed and a hail of missiles rained down on the town hall. Rioters then used burning peace torches, ironically part of the planned celebrations, to set the town hall alight. By half past midnight, the building was a blazing inferno. Against the apocalyptic backdrop, strains of keep the home fires burning could be heard. Some pianos had been dragged onto the street from a nearby music shop. And it is that funny thing, I was watching this and I was thinking, if you did that, like it was just sort of going, look at the people, they stormed the town hall. The baying mob hunted for their prey, Mayor Impey, but he was nowhere to be found in the town hall. So a 500-strong gang marched up this road towards the mayor's home in an attempt to flush him out. They couldn't find him, and so they all marched to his house, presumably to like beat the shit out of yeah. the, the mayor. And I was, I, it was funny how the passage of time, when it's 100 years ago, you sort of go, they all stormed the municipal building and then they chased the mayor and they were going to do him up. And, and don't, doesn't that make us proud of our, of our ancestors? We wouldn't do this about the Tottenham fucking riots, would we? <laughs> we they all marched through the streets and they took what they wanted and they burned down carpet warehouses. And it had a funny sense of really celebrating something which seemed contemporary, which we're not happy with. Yeah. I found that weird. I want to talk about cheese because in this episode, but my heart sank, I know, as I know yeah. yours did as well, yeah. right, when Anita Rani came on to talk about 
Single-use plastic. Single-use plastic. Yeah. It really is. Anyway, in just a moment, Anita Rani will be joining us to reveal how much of the UK's uh, plastic has ended up in Malaysia. So she's done a, a documentary about single-use plastics, and, and there was a clip of a woman arguing the toss yeah. that the cheese miniatures that she bought, which is which is like blocks of cheddar, which is pre-cut up into little... Like the ones you get in sort of uh, airplanes. Yeah, yeah, with your, yes, you're right, in your little snack. Yeah. Yes, exactly right. Um, but, of course, they're individually wrapped in single-use plastic, So yeah. and, and Anita Rani's job was to go to Bristol and explain to people that plastic was bad in a particular street and find out how much plastic they got <laughs> yeah. and do some research and how uh, we got billions of things. Right, anyway, so this woman, though, got really arsy about her cheese. This is what we're talking about, yeah. each individually wrapped, wrapped single-use, yeah. and then even that's in plastics. Yeah. Buy it because it's convenient, it's... Just as much as I want to eat. And you use what you want, you don't waste any. You're not checking anything like out so, at all. But if we were to say, let's try and get rid of single-use plastic, maybe the cheese is the first thing to go. Maybe we start saying, buy a block, don't buy a big block. I'm going to say no. There ain't no extra parts. I want my cheese like Because <laughs> that's how I enjoy my cheese. Finish, no waste. But there is plastic waste. Yeah. There's no food yeah. waste, but there's yeah. plastic waste. Some has got to convince me that to go without my cheese is sufficient enough to go to go without plastic. I've got to go without that cheese. It's going to be a hard argument. She replied, no bots, that's how I enjoy my cheeses. <laughs> <laughs> she likes the plastics. And they went, why don't you buy a big block? And she went, no, to go without my cheese, I've got to go without the plastic. No. <laughs> Just no. And then they came out to the studio after the clip and said, well, you know, did you manage to change your mind? And Anita Rani just said, oh, no, no, no spoilers. Meaning... No, no. She also <laughs> said, she also said Kay was a big character, which is TV speak for saying she's fucking mad. She's a fucking big character. Planet destroying cunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to ruin what happens, but Kay is a, is a big character. We're all going to die, and it's because Kay wanted Kay individually wrapped mild cheddar. Ugh. Their single use plastic obsession, but so on. Back on Thursday, let's mm. flip to that. Uh, there was it, this made the national news where a, a, a train oh, yeah. model train enthusiasts group market um, deeping in market model deeping, railway club. Thank you. Had their exhibition trashed by vandals. Yeah. Right? This was what local club members were faced with when they arrived to add the finishing touches to their model railway displays at the exhibition last month. Chairman Peter Davis was one of the first on the scene. We arrived at the exhibition hall to be turned away. The caretaker had said, no, this was a, a police crime scene. We couldn't go anywhere near. Uh, and eventually we went in, photographed the total devastation for the 40 or 50 men who by that time arrived to set up their exhibitions. And um, there were lots of tears, mm. lots. Then the anger set in and there was a lot of anger. These guys, these old, white men had spent a long time, 25 years, building up their model railways, right? Big hobby thing, right? So they'd uh, done an exhibition, but the vandals had smashed it. And, and it was devastating for them, and it was awful. I mean, I remember seeing the pictures in the press, but they talked about this. Loads of people then donated their own Hornby kit for them to rebuild it. And sent checks. And mm. sent checks, yeah. Rod, Rod, Rod Stewart. Who'd yeah. done 10 grand, hadn't he, or something? 10 grand, Rod Stewart, yeah. And as it gathered pace, the news even spread to rock star Rod Stewart, a fellow rail enthusiast who donated £10,000. I know Steve Lamack hadn't said anything, but anyway, he's big into his model rails. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, he might have done, I don't know. Hi, Steve. Uh, so the, they were unwrapping all this stuff. As if he's going to be listening to this rather than some weird 1984 indie band from, you know, fucking Taunton. 
<laughs> Steve about going through his, and I imagine they are CDs for every six music show, and then just go, oh, just yeah. listen to the one show podcast. Uh, do you know? I think I think this story, this story for me, is a test of Britishness, and I and I find it really hard to understand why I find I found this so upsetting. Yeah. Watching these men with their metal yeah, me railways that me were smashed too. up. There, there, there's a, a thing about German spies in the war. They were they would have learnt to speak English absolutely from birth, and they would be absolutely perfect at every single word. But there's one word in English which if you're from Germany, you cannot pronounce. You'd get your spy, you'd be sitting there with, you know, you guys from wherever it would be, you know, Secret Service, and they'd sit them down and they'd go, um, so you're from Britain? And they'd go, yes, yes, I come from Cambridge. And they'd go, whereabouts? And they'd go, just a little bit just on the side of that beautiful pub and et cetera, et cetera. And you would not be able to catch them out until they'd sort of go, okay, see the animal that's just outside there on the lawn? And they'd go, yeah, yeah, I can see it. He's got a bushy tail, eats nuts, they live up the trees. They go, yep, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right what it is. And they go, what's his name? And they go, we all know what, what, it, what its name is. And they go, well, just say it then. And the German agents would go, squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> squirrel is a word that only British people can say, squirrel, right? It's just, this for me is another test like that. When you see a model railway in, a, in like a youth centre that's been smashed up yeah. and all the men standing around going, I mean, there were a lot of tears. If you don't go, yeah. oh, God, I'd love to kill those vandals. Yeah. I don't think you're truly British. I didn't know what was happening to me, Mark. I'd just had my tea. I'd just sat down to do my homework for this podcast. Yeah. And I'm welling up I about know. model railways. I know. Something well, I could not a, compute. In any other circumstances, we'd laugh at. But yeah. I've got a theory. I'll go on. Mm. Right. So, all of those Hornby model railways, as we saw from the donations, arrive packaged in what? Single-use plastic. Ah. So, I think... I think Rani trashed it. Anita Rani kicks off. <laughs> <laughs> Just got angry. She, went down she couldn't take it out on Kay in Bristol and her fucking cheese. <laughs> so she went off to Market Deeping and kicked the shit out of some Hornby. That's my theory. Do you know what? That makes sense because if you notice after the toxic film, right, when they went back to the sofa, Annika was there. Anita's gone. Did you spot that? <laughs> they, they showed a little clip of uh, Anita Rani's house as well. And yeah. uh, this is obviously not, not as good as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's put me off on Anita Rani I think she's delightful but it's slightly put me off what were you yeah. expecting I, I wasn't really I was expecting a nice London house the garden was quite a lot smaller than I thought it would be <laughs> I love it that's what you've taken because, from the film. Uh, she's uh, not only a woman on the BBC mm. and doesn't get paid as much mm. uh, she's also ethnic so yeah. she probably has to pay them to be you know the BBC they don't pay women or ethnics we know that this, <laughs> this episode also Phil just stepped away from the microphone again <laughs> because of his training uh, it, it was the lawyers. Uh, before we before we move on from that Monday episode where we just sort of like got back to Anita Rani. Yeah. Do you see the Hovis bit they did yes. about the Hovis road? Yes. Where they did the yes. world's most unscientific experiment of all time. Yeah. About <laughs> whether white bread or brown bread would get some children to run up that famous hill in Stourbridge in Devon yeah. using the Hovis advert quicker after eating a minute before. <laughs> so the challenge is very very simple. The brown bread team are going to have brown sandwiches from Lisa. The white bread team are going to have white bread sandwiches from Miley. What have you got in yours, yeah. cheese? Don't talk with your mouth full. You've got to push these vintage bikes right up to the top of the hill. The team that wins the most races wins the challenge. It's as simple as that. Fueled with their bread of choice, the children are rearing to go. On your marks, get set, wait for it. Oh! Oh! Come on! 
experiment, and there is nothing scientific about it at all. No. Eat children in two teams, eat different bread, run uphill. What? This this is science on the level of Andrew Wakefield's MMR theory. <laughs> <laughs> The white bread team three, the brown bread team two. Round of applause for everybody. Well done. Well, they, they, they basically went, what we found out is white bread is much better if you want to run up a hill, uh, so long as you eat it a minute beforehand. But again, my, my production brain, I was watching it and my brain's going, what's happened to lead to this? Right, someone from the office mm. going, have you seen it's the anniversary of that Ridley Scott commercial that's really famous? Mm. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, what should we do? Well, I don't know. We could feed kids different sandwiches and literally get them to run up a hill. <laughs> was what's the test? Who can not throw up? <laughs> <laughs> the, I mean, look, we, what we found out is white bread is officially better than brown bread at whatever the fuck they were trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, I as much as we can say. I think it's whichever bakery, there were two bakeries in the town and they uh, they went to both saying, well, I make brown bread and it's better. I make white bread it's better so it's whichever one bunged them yeah just went just say the the white bread one was a sourdoughy place that did look more upmarket so they would have more of a slush fund yeah yeah for paying off corrupt people at bbc can we talk about carrie and sting yeah do we have to yeah very briefly we do yeah because i hate sting (laughs) do you yeah with a passion i i've never liked his faux reggae shtick um and i don't and i think he's like a a a charisma dementor Mm. i think he just sucks (laughs) You say sucks it I mean, out. I mean, you say uh, you say he's, he's faux reggae, but hasn't that been balanced out by the fact he's touring with Shaggy? With Shaggy yeah. <laughs> oh. That's given him some real reggae God, credo. Good God! <laughs> but wasn't that ages ago? Was this film set on a shelf for a while? Must this be. Was, no, this they're still touring. Oh, they still yeah, they're yeah, still, yeah. still promoting yeah. the tour. All right, okay. But but what was interesting about the introduction? How to this? how is that not two hundred people in like? Uh, you know, leads. That, that's all you need. There can't be thousands of people who want to see Sting and Shaggy. Well, the best bit was when uh, the vo- I think it was Carrie's voiceover said uh, she explained why they're touring and she says that Shaggy's helped Sting to reimagine some police classics. Oh, reimagine them as what shit? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty shit, anyway, in my opinion. The basic thing about this, well, this was all about telling the story of uh, every step you take. The police song, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, and they were yeah. all like, "We're going to find out how, why he wrote it," and people have different theories and stuff. Every Breath You Take by The Police is a song that's led to endless speculation about its meaning. It was written at a difficult time for the band, despite their worldwide success. Today I'm off to meet Sting, who's agreed to open up and share all about this classic song. And about a third of the way through, Sting just goes, Oh, I don't want to explain it, no. But Sting's reluctant to give the definitive view of what he thinks this song's about. Because people have so many different opinions, I don't want to contradict that. I love it, and I don't want to explain it. You know, I, like you know, a comedian doesn't want to explain a joke. You know, it means what it means to people, so yeah. I'm not going to explain it. Because it's about well, stalking. It's well, famously about stalking. Yeah, if you're going to say, we're setting out to explain it, and he goes, I'm not going to explain it, you have to go, OK, film's over. Yeah. Dumb, but also, failed. She also said in the introduction, um, which Emma Willis, I think, had on the on the autocue, she sort of said, well, she said, this is the latest, the latest in our season of the story of the song. And now, yeah. 
I've watched the one show for quite a long time, as have you. Yep. I've never seen one of these you before. You have, we've talked about them before. When? They are scattered over months, but occasionally it'll be Carrie talking to... Uh, do you know what? No, I no, can't even I've remember who she's a, done. I've seen her talk to bands where they grew up, like The Alarm in Wales and Rill. <laughs> oh, 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 back the, to The Alarm. Yeah, always back to The Alarm <laughs> with me. But I don't ever think I've seen a story of a song. Yeah, I think, I? I think she's done one... Did she not do one with... Oh, no, Seal was best friends yeah. with she, Trevor yeah, Horn. Yeah, yeah. She does so some weird done, ones. She's done music films, like even taking photographers around uh, old haunts of the Rolling Stones on it. But I don't think I've seen a story of a song. Maybe you're right. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Write in, let us know. It is, Nobody will. It is just awful. Even if you set out to go, what's this song's about? Uh, that, that for me seems like something that's either been answered or no one cares about. So, uh, any other business? Anything can we've I missed? Just, Phil? Yeah, of course we can. Just, please, please, please. It, it goes back to Thursday night's show. It's Soccer Aid, it's mm-hmm. Lee Mack and, and Usain Bolt. And the last thing they've got them to do against each other is football darts. Where they... <laughs> oh, yeah. OK, everyone, it's time now for the last of our games. This is football darts. Football darts. Oh, a sponge football at a Velcro dartboard. A huge dartboard. Huge dartboard. Yeah. And see who scores the, the most. And I'm sorry, actually, I don't think it was the Velcro one that Matt got wrong. It was the other darts challenge, right? Mm. And it was Matt Baker's inability. And I don't know, for the record, I don't know Matt Baker. He's probably a very lovely man. After this, he'll probably hate me. <laughs> but Lee Mack's throwing the darts, right, and Matt's scoring. And he does say, I might need some help with the scoring here because maths isn't a strong point. Something we learned this week, Matt Baker's shit at maths. Yeah. Then he says, so, and I've written this down so I don't get it as badly wrong as Matt did, right? Mm. Lee Mack throws a treble 20, a 5, and a 1, right? Mm. So Matt says, treble 20. Five, 65, and one, that's 61. <laughs> Your score Ooh. can never go down in darts. It's impossible unless you're trying to throw for a double and you bust. Yeah. Your score can never decrease. And he's gone from 65 to 61. He had a real thing where Matt uh, were in the actual uh, football darts, where they were kicking that in, where his finger went to his ear desperately to try and hear what the score was. You know, uh, Math's yeah, not his yeah, strong yeah, point. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah, I'd struggle yeah. with I that. I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't want to score on live television. No. No. <laughs> Another uh, golden Matt moment, just to finish off here, it's after the Hovis point we've talked about already. Yep. When it came out of the studio and he went with the smuggest look on his face and he was so proud of it and he just said, well, uh, a toast to everyone who ran up that hill. Because <laughs> it's bread. Well, a toast oh. to everybody who ran up that hill. Very impressive <laughs> stuff. Um, now... Because it's bread. <laughs> Zing. Um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, there's a, a, li- a little film we talked about which is called Talk to Strangers, uh, which had a guy called uh, Amal Latif, and he did a great documentary a few, maybe last year, where he went around on a sort of short world trip with Sarah Pascoe, and he's blind. Yeah. And so he was like, I want to be a traveller, I want to engage with the world, but I can't do it without someone being near me. My name's Amr Latif, and I'm a Scotsman living in Yorkshire. And even though I'm blind and I can't see, I do like a chinwag. I'm constantly struck by how people just don't seem to chat to each other. Perhaps they're just too busy on their phones or their tablets. But alienating ourselves from each other surely isn't good for our well-being, because I'm a firm believer that it's good for us to talk. Ladies, would you ever talk to strangers? It depends who it is, I think, if if I'm in a sociable mood. Um... And he was sort of spearheading a thing called hashtag crossing divides. That's right. And this is a nice way of saying what they want people to do is go up to strangers in public and just start talking to them. 
Now, this had a bit of backlash on mine, where a lot of women were saying, this is exactly the problem, is that people will come up to you on the train, blokes, and they will start going, all right, where are you off to? And it's really intimidating. I come from, you know, London. I live in, in central London, and... I have a thing about, there are three reasons that people will talk to you on public transport. They want to kill you, they want to have sex with you, or they want to have your money, have sex with you and kill you, right? <laughs> so I, when people come over and have a chat, I don't want to have a fucking chat. And there was a big backlash to this, and they were going, go out there, go and speak to strangers. Again, a guy called Mark Godfrey on their Facebook page said, utterly disgusted, all we have been through is don't talk to strangers. Now you're asking us to... <laughs> Utter disgust in your lack of safety. <laughs> Mark, thank you very much indeed. Phil, thank you very much. What a pleasure. That's it. We will be back with the podcast next week. Please do rate, review and tell your friends about it. Meanwhile, The The One Show Show is appearing live. We will be at the London Podcast Festival. This is in the St Pancras Room uh, in London at King's Place. If you'd like to go to kingsplace.co.uk, you will find it. Uh, Friday the 6th of September at 7pm, myself and Mark and special guests to be announced um, or auditioned over the next series. Uh, we will be there live, so come and see us do it. Like the fucking one show. Yeah, live! <laughs> live! So we get Matt Baker on. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, thank you very much. Whatever you do, remember this and remember it well when you look at the television. To look at the one show, the one show also looks back into you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, quickly, quickly, we haven't got long. Please listen to the all-new Angela Sandbury podcast. It's a funny one. Oh, my God, it's hilarious. There's so much muck in it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.